Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football podcast presented by betonline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NFL season is in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. We were five and two last week. Obviously, a downgrade from our undefeated week prior, but still three units over even, and we are racking up winners here. On the New York Football Podcast, courtesy of betonline.ag, from game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, everybody? How are we doing? I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, as always. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all platforms. Leave a comment if you're feeling extra generous today. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, at Tino Rodriguez, with a double underscore we have a great show for you guys today. Our streaks of Benny's on the show is not over. Benny Ricciardi will not be joining us today, but this time my good friend Benny Pinella will be joining us. Benny works at WDSD Radio and is a big-time supporter of the Philadelphia Eagles. He will join the show and help me preview Thursday night's crucial NFC East matchup. I'll also bring back Show Me the Money and Dish Out. What we do best on this show, winners, winners, and winners. We are now 30-13-1 on this show after this past weekend, so let's get it going. Hit the music. Yes, sir. First time all season I've gotten to play that song, and man, does it feel good. Hopefully not the last time, but the Giants finally won their first game of the season against the Washington football team 20-19 after a failed two-point conversion gamble came up short for Riverboat Ron Rivera. Danny Dimes threw his first touchdown pass, finally, in about two weeks, and he ran the read option beautifully Danny led the team again as a result in rushing this time with 74 rushing yards he passed for a lackluster 112 yards passing with an interception in the end zone to go with his touchdown the interception should should have been thrown away it shouldn't have counted anyways after the review the defender's arm was clearly out of bounds but that's besides the point the Giants get the one point win and the defense no surprise here was the game MVP, the real MVP, and continues to be this team's strongest point right now. They came up with the clutch go-ahead scoop and score 
fumble recovery for a touchdown on Kyle Allen, courtesy of Tate Crowder, the rookie, and gave the Giants the go-ahead points needed to edge out Washington late in that game. Obviously, not the prettiest of wins, but hey, man, a win is a win. A beggar cannot be a chooser, and I will not take how we win these games. I'll just take the wins, and we have another big one on Thursday, which I have my good friend Benny coming on to preview as we talked about before, but one of many or few, either way, let's be happy about it, man. There is not enough people happy about this win. There's a lot you could talk about that still doesn't look great with the Giants. Obviously, the football team, not a great football team, but a win is a win is a win, and we will take it how it comes. And speaking of wins, or lack thereof, actually... Let's start with the wins. We're going to highlight here the Giants, the Jets, and Army as we do every week. Obviously, there will be one professional team that is highlighted a little bit less just because of the lack of highlights that they're contributing each week. But we'll talk about the wins here. Before we get into Show Me the Money, let's talk about the Army Black Knights rolling. They are 5-1 and one now after they picked up their third straight win taking down the UTSA Roadrunners this Saturday 28 to 16 Army scored a touchdown even in each quarter to lead their way to a victory leading the way for the hard-nosed running attack was Anthony Atkins who had himself a day on only eight carries had 101 rushing yards with a score the Black Knights used several running backs in this game to get the job done but the main three here were Anthony Atkins Tyre Tyler, who was the workhorse, rushing 19 times for 95 yards and a rushing touchdown. And Jacoby Buchanan added another 10 rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown of his own. The Black Knights again, 5-1. And, and they'll look to improve to 6-1 and one as they welcome the Mercer Bears into Mikey Stadium in a very winnable game. But now from one winnable game to possibly a team that has zero winnable games on the schedule and may not win for the remainder of this season, we stay in the professional sports side of things here with the winless and just terrible-looking New York Jets. The Jets have topped themselves this week. They scored zero points in a 24-0 shutout loss to the Miami Dolphins in what should have been an Adam Gase and Frank Gore revenge game, turned out to not be at all. Uh, Frank Gore and Joe Flacco led the way to zero points in the first nine drives for the Jets. They had seven punts, six three-and-outs, and an interception. And it only got worse from there. What Adam Gase does to this team, week in and week out, is just astonishing to me. And it's very clear that the fact that he's still the head coach. And there are certain times I come on this show on the Tuesday that I record and release on Wednesday. And there's a lot that could happen. I am fairly certain there is no chance Adam Gase will get fired over these next days. And probably not until the end of the season, if ever. Because as long as they want that number one overall pick, you keep Adam Gase as your head coach. Not even Sammy could save this right now. Even if Sam Darnold was healthy, are they going to just magically start beating teams? No. And how do I know this? They traded away a defensive captain and reliable veteran on their defense, defensive tackle Steve McClendon, 
following the game for a stick of bubblegum and gave him to the Tampa Bay Bucks to improve their defense even more. The Jets may actually lose every game this season. That is a real-life reality situation. As long as Adam Gase remains the head coach of this team, they're going to lose every game. They average 12.5 points per game. That is the worst. The worst in the NFL, and it's not even close. The Giants were neck and neck. They were the worst, and they're making the Giants look good. It's startling. And I went on this show before the season and said, I don't understand where this Adam Gase genius, offensive genius thing came from, the guru-ness, because he's never ranked in the top 15 with an offense. And if you didn't believe me enough, they pulled it up during the game, during the Dolphins game. Since 2015, 2015, he was the Chicago OC, 21st ranked offense. 2016, 24th, 2017 with Miami, and 2016 he was with Miami as well, 25th worst, 2018, he had the 31st worst, 2019 last year, the worst, and this year, total offense, they're at 31st, after that game, they're probably dead last, I didn't even cross-reference it, but my God, what more of a sample size do you need to see, and if they haven't seen it yet, that's my issue, I don't think they'll ever see it, I don't. I genuinely just don't I don't see a way out for the Jets right now. They're trading away anything good that they have or had. And it's just a shame, man. It's a shame to see because this is something I came on the show early in February and talked about how I am a Giants fan and I want to I want to support the Jets. I have no reason to not support the Jets, but even I seeing Jet fans give up and in disgust, and even though I saw it happen, not to this extent, it is crumbling for the New York Jets right now. Crumbling. They have nothing worth of value on that team. And if you think they're just going to get the 1-1 and Trevor's going to want to come out, he will very easily pull that Peyton Manning that people have started to talk about and stay in college to avoid that disaster of an organization or refuse to get drafted there. I've already floated around. It might be Sammy to stay, and they trade the 1-1 to someone who needs it. But even if that's the case, there are holes on holes on holes on this team. The offensive line is in shambles. Everyone's hurt. Crowder's the only bright spot. And we haven't even talked about it, but Lev, like I mentioned, is going to go to a winning team and contribute. And where did he go? The Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sorry, Jet fans, that it's come out to this point. To this extent, but I sadly don't think the Jets are going to win a game this year. It doesn't get easier. They're 12.5 point underdogs at home against the AFC East rival Buffalo Bills. Can you even call them a rival? I don't even think we can call them a rival. Good luck. Good luck. But with that said, let's get this back on track with winners. Winners, winners, winners. Cue the music. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yes! Louder! Show me the money. That's it, brother. What you got to yell last up? Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Ah, uh, we are back with Show Me the Money after a three-week hiatus. Now, the record has only improved since then. 30-13-1. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good here, man. Uh, Benny Ricciardi has obviously been on the last three weeks. 
We've rolled over our show me the money segment into a lot of that recently. We got a lot of advice from Benny, and there's a very good chance Benny will be on in the very near to short future here because obviously we want to make you guys money. We want to make some money ourselves, and talking about these early lines always helps doing that. But this will be a little less extensive because we have a different Benny coming on the show this week, and I'm just going to give you guys the old gist here, the old runaround that we normally give in Show Me The Money, which includes a Thursday night game, two Sunday at 1 p.m. games, two Sunday at 425 games, then a Sunday night and a Monday night pick. And, of course, the Thursday night game, surprise, surprise, Giants at Philadelphia, the Giants. As I'm looking at it now, the line has actually moved up from three and a half point dogs to four point dogs, a whole full four. Which is nice. I mean, I am on the Giants here. I'm going to take the points and be optimistic. The Giants, good or bad, aside from the 49ers game, will keep a game within one possession. The Eagles just don't scare me on offense. I'll talk more about it with Benny later on in the show. You'll hear my prediction, but I think the Giants can win this game outright. But to play it smart, to play it good for your pocket, just take the Giants with the points here on the road. They haven't beat Philly in a really long time, so I won't think too much with my heart and think with my head. And let's take the Giants. The three and a half, if you can get it, the four would be even better. So then to Sunday at 1 p.m. Well, we already talked about this game as well. This is a easy one and a perfect game for a teaser, especially before this line jumps up. It'll probably go to 13 and a half, probably 14, because it is at 12 and a half right now in the Buffalo Bills. They are... Two, nearly two touchdown dog, uh, favorites to the New York Jets. I would tease this down to six and a half and a six-point teaser if I could, as you've heard me and uh, Benny talk about it a lot. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins beat them 24 nothing, and we had the Dolphins a part of a teaser last week. That was a game that we talked about how the line was at seven and a half to eight before the Lev news jumped up to about nine, nine and a half, and none of that really mattered because they beat them by a 1,000. I actually went in-game and took... The Dolphins to win by 20 and a half. That's how fairly certain I was that the Jets were not going to score in that game. And they didn't, and it paid off. So I feel good about the 20, uh, the 12 and a half. I'll take that straight up. But in my teaser, I do like the number way lower at six and a half. They should win this game, no problem, with a touchdown, regardless of who's left on this Jets team. Plus, Bill's coming off two straight losses to two good teams. So they're definitely going to look to beat up on the Jets here a little bit. Next game, we love our underdogs here. Not a home dog, but an underdog nonetheless. Lions, two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against Atlanta. Atlanta finally won a football game. Finally. But now I'm not sold on them still. I'm not. And with Detroit, Detroit's another team that's a toss-up like that. You know, they're they're very similar to the Atlanta Falcons, whereas I think when their offense decides to turn it on, they can rally behind Stafford and kind of put something together. And just looking at the board, they're a dog I like here. They just took care of business, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road 34-16. DeAndre Swift looked really good. They were up against the Saints in the game prior, lost by six, despite you know most of those touchdowns late in the game being garbage time touchdowns. They lost by six. They were up 14-0. And before that, they beat the Cardinals, who obviously have put things together. I like the Lions here a lot. I'm going to take the money line. The two and a half doesn't help you. If that line jumps up for some reason, I would definitely grab them. At three points, you can get that at three and a half. I highly doubt uh, the line will move that much. But 
Lions and Moneyline, you can lock that one in. Then 425 will jump to here. Another good game for a teaser. You could also throw the Lions in at a teaser in a six-point teaser. Bring that line from 2.5 to 8.5, and, and you cover some major numbers there in the 3 and the 7. And get the hook, get some extra points in that as well. It'll be 8.5, so two-point conversion. You're still good. Chargers, 7.5-point favorites at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We just talked about the Jags losing to Detroit. The Chargers are coming off a bye after a slip-up of a loss against the New Orleans Saints on the road. I think they're going to have the extra rest. I think this is a team that if, if you bring this down to 1.5 in that teaser, they should be fine. The 7.5 kind of worries you a little bit, but the Jaguars are not much to worry about as a whole, whereas the Chargers, Herbert, can take full advantage of that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. It has not looked very good. And I like the Chargers. We continue to move on here. 49ers at New England. We have Master to Apprentice here in terms of Garoppolo, who was shipped away <laughs> courtesy of Bill Belichick. Although it was rumored to say that he didn't want Jimmy G to go away. It was more of a Brady thing. Nonetheless... I think Bill does this thing with former players, especially when they're quarterbacks, knows how to get to them, knows how to take advantage of it. The Pats are only two and a half point favorites after losing to the Denver Broncos. Ugly game. Cam looked really sloppy, but I'm not forgetting how good Cam was before this whole COVID thing. The Niners are a team that looked really shitty, obviously had a terrible loss to the Dolphins at home and kind of turned the page against the Rams on Sunday night. This line represented, I would actually take the two and a half because I think they can at least cover that field goal in terms of the favorite. If I, uh, if I were taking the Niners, I would not like that two and a half. I think the Pats can cover the two and a half here at least by a field goal. But if not, you can take a money line. Minus 143 is the line I can get them at right now. But I like the Pats here at home to bounce back and take care of business. I don't see Bill Belichick losing to Jimmy G and losing two games in a row at home. So we advance. And speaking of Tom Brady and Jimmy G and the Pats, the Bucks are in prime time on Sunday night here. Another two and a half point line. They are two and a half point favorites on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I gotta be honest here. The Raiders coming off a buy extra time. The Bucks have been up and down. I'm siding towards the Raiders. Especially at home in Vegas, but I don't know, man. The Bucks. I, I was on them last week as the dog against the Packers. And yes, they're traveling, and Vegas has the rest day. I like the Raiders, but my gut's telling me the Bucks here. They're telling me the Bucks here. So for now, I'll lock in the pick at Bucks money line minus 152. I don't want to touch those points. That's a two and a half. Like I said earlier sometimes for the favorites you like them I don't really like that in this case just because I feel like this is going to be a very close game I like the Raiders early on but I'll just take the Bucks as a pick them right now to uh deal with that later and we'll go with another road team here on Monday night and it's my favorite road dog they were my favorite last week and I picked them at home as a dog the week before when they beat the Bucks and yes you know it the Chicago Bears Five and a half point underdogs on the road on Monday night at the Los Angeles Rams, who just looked very human against the San Francisco 49ers. 
Benny has talked about it on this show. I have talked about it on the show. We're playing with house money at this point, betting the Bears as underdogs. They were the underdog last week and took care of business very easily. I will gladly tease that up if I can and get it past 11.5 in a six-point teaser. I feel like that's a fairly safe play. I like the 5.5. I took them 4.5 when they won outright and covered against the Bucks. The Bears are the type of team that it's a field goal game, and I see this line going down more than up. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. That's why we talk about these lines early. Monday's a ways away. But give me the Bears, man. Money line, points, whatever you want to do. I like them both ways here. The the Bears' defense is starting to wake up. I see a low-scoring game. And I remember very distinctly about three years ago or two years ago, Goff's first season, the Rams' Super Bowl run. They ran into the Bears. Granted, the Bears were at home. But that defense shut down Jared Goff. Shut him down. He looked really bad in that game. People don't forget. Give me the Bears. Five and a half on Monday night. And fellas, if you don't like what I'm saying, 30-13-1. We're going to look to improve on that this week. But let's start with a big Giants victory on Thursday night. And with that said, I'm going to get you guys ready here for my discussion with Benny Pinella. Me and Benny go back a long way. We were actually together in the booth at Rowan University on my first ever call for a college football game. First time I really got introduced to journalism in general. Benny was a big component into me learning my ways through the industry. And he's obviously making it big here as a radio host himself doing his own thing. I'll give Benny plenty of time and plenty of floor to let you guys know what he's up to. But again, he works with WDSD Radio in Delaware and Really just an overall great guy. We're going to get into everything Giants Philly. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Great friend to have on. Once again, here he is, Benny Pinella. All right, now I give the great pleasure of welcoming on Benny, the second Benny, for the fourth time, <laughs> Benny Pinella. You could call him Benny. He told me to tell you guys out there that I could call him Benny, but I told him you're going to be confused <laughs> if I did that. So Benny Pinella, you could check him out, WDSD Radio. Did I get that right, Benny? They can hear you on iHeartRadio for anyone who's not in Delaware. Feel free to let them know where they can find you on social media. Tell the people about yourself, what you got going on. Tino, it's great to it's great to talk to you again, man. It's like we're back in college doing a doing game day for the for the props again, man. Uh, it is uh, at Benny on the radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and of course ninety four seven WDSD WDSD.com and iHeartRadio uh, for everyone who wants to go is checking me out. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for letting me be on the show. Yeah, man. So first person I think of, oddly enough, that I can talk about the Eagles too <laughs> in a sane fashion is you. I was like, okay, I want to have someone on to talk about the Eagles and not just have it a screaming match. So I feel like I can talk sanely to you. You're a football man. I mean, we've talked about this on Rowan broadcast. I mean, we, that's we right. had to keep it professional. I mean, that's because we were live now, not so much, but still, I mean, we're still live Benny, but the point <laughs> is I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at you. I just want to talk about, the troubled organizations that we both have right oh, now goodness. in the worst division in the NFL. And it's not even close. 
It's, it's not it, even close. It's funny. So before the show, I was looking at the NFL standings uh, in the NFC. There are three other teams that have losing records outside of, of the division. And that would be the Vikings, the Lions, and the Falcons. And if you look at those three other teams, all three of those are substantially better than any team in this division. So it, it is embarrassing. But one thing I, I will say is that I am not the kind of Eagles fan that is the yelling, screaming, traditional Eagles fan. As a matter of fact, most Eagles fans hate me because I'm, I'm so much of a realist. But uh, I hate this team. I hate watching them. But I do it every Sunday. And every Sunday I wake up and I just send myself – a little message to my head, and I say I'm ready to hurt again. It is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's painful to watch this team. This has been the most painful one four and one start to a season I've ever witnessed. Uh, dude, it's bad top to bottom right now. I mean, if the Giants didn't beat the football team, I'd feel a lot more in a dark place than I am right now. But it doesn't say much because we edged them out by one point. But my whole thing is a win's a win. So again. Uh, we're in the mix for the NFC East. Now, the crazy thing is last night you saw the onslaught. The Cowboys got just – they got rolled on Monday oh night goodness. at home. It was bad. They didn't score a touchdown until the end, and they were getting booed even when they did score. Um, and I think a lot of people were putting their hat into the ring of, okay, the Eagles are falling apart. The Giants stink. The, there's no way the football team can be taken serious. It's got to be the Cowboys. It's got to be the Cowboys. And then here we are, same spot as last year. It seems like – Nobody wants to win the NFC East. It's like whoever loses the least is going to win for the second consecutive year. I mean, it's serious. It's, it's a red flag right now, Benny. Last year, everyone joked and said there will be a losing record to win this division. No, that is real life this year. Um, Vince, seven wins might get it done. It, at this point, five wins might get it done. The first of five might do it. Uh, the Eagles might be able to get the division at five, ten, and one. It, I... Uh, being a part of this division, it is the most embarrassing division in football. Uh, for the Cowboys, I, I feel very bad. And you're going to hear an Eagles fan say I sympathize with Cowboys fans, but they had everything. It was right in their hands. The Eagles lost to the Steelers. They had tied the Bengals, which I had me literally ready to rip my eyes out of my socket. <laughs> and Dallas had everything. They had the second win. You have Dak. You have this healthy team. They, went, they go out and draft all these weapons. And Dak gets hurt, and the team falls apart against the Cardinals. I don't know who's going to win this division. I, I made a comment. I made a post on Facebook a couple weeks ago saying the NFC East is the only division where the loser has the privilege of going to the playoffs. It literally, that literally is how it is. You, you don't win the division. You lose the division and end up in the playoffs. That's literally how it is. I, it shocks me how, how terrible this division is. It shocks me that the football team could win this division, a team that's not even a name. They don't have a name. And here we are. Every they're gonna they're gonna beat another team in this division, and it, it's embarrassing. Uh, I, the only comment I'll make about the division is I really do think that the new rule should be of the NFC East. Whoever wins the division doesn't actually get to go to the playoffs. All four teams have to make a fifth team and then send that team to the playoffs. They have to take their best players and do that because there's no way we're winning anything. Listen, I, I agree with that as a one-year basis. This is a COVID season, so I think, you know, we throw it all out the window and just do what we can for 2020, and I think that'd be entertaining. I think people would enjoy that a lot better than seeing whoever wins lose by 30 points to the one seed. I will say this about our division, though. We versus the AFC North this year and the NFC West, and that does us no favors. The Rams no. beat everybody. Obviously, those are the two best divisions right now in terms of record-wise. I mean, the North is loaded. The Giants have to play the Ravens. You guys just dealt with the Ravens. And that score looked way better than it actually was during that game. I mean – No idea it, how that happened. 
they just they knew I bet the Ravens seven and a half, and they're like, "How can I get Tino on some money? How can <laughs> what? How can I ruin him before Thursday?" Oh, I got it. Backdoor cover. So let's talk about the Eagles real quick because obviously the Giants have some glaring injuries. We might have someone coming back at Sterling Shepard, but obviously we're missing Saquon. Now you guys are missing some receivers, but now you join the company of losing an RB and Miles Sanders as most recent as this Thursday. Now Boston Scott seems like he's going to do what he did last year against the Giants and have a nice little day. I mean, that might be easier said than done. Do you have faith in Boston Scott? I, do you have faith behind this offensive line in general being where you guys are at in injuries? You said we were out some receivers. We're out all of the receivers at this place. <laughs> no, they, they threw to a guy named Jason Kroom on Sunday, mm-hmm. and he caught a touchdown pass. And I jumped out of my seat, and I said, who the F is Jason Kroom? I literally just started yelling it. Who the F is Jason Kroom? He's wearing number 81. I thought someone in the T.O. jersey was just walked out onto the field, turned, and was like, oh, the ball, and just caught it. I, the joke was we thought this was a guy that was like cleaning the pylon and then just stood up and went, Oh, Carson here. Like that's what we thought it was, but they're, they're so depleted uh, to your Boston Scott point. I don't have a lot of confidence in him. So he did, he started week one and I actually drafted him in fantasy specifically because he was getting that week one start against, against the Washington football team here. I'm thinking, Oh, he's going to have a field day. He did. Uh, this offensive line is not good. And la- the difference between this year and last year is last year we had the majority of our offensive line intact. We don't have any. We we only have we have two offensive starters that were going into the season on the depth chart as number one. We have two of them left, and it's the quarterback and the center, and that's it. So uh, we're starting some guy named Toff at, at right tackle. I don't know who he is. We started some guy named Jamon Brown. Who uh, there was a, a new an NJ.com article that I literally read it, and it was it was making me laugh. He said that he wins teams games. You're a right guard who's a third stringer from the Falcons. You ain't winning anything. Uh, and, and then we have, a, we have a, a, a left guard. I don't even know who's on this team anymore. Like, we, we are starting players. Left. I don't even know we're on the roster. I don't have a lot of confidence. That being said, the difference going into this game, I think, is, is the fact that Carson Wentz has looked good. Uh, he, for some reason, he's the weirdest quarterback ever. He plays well when he doesn't have people to throw to, when he has literally trash cans and, and yard ornaments to throw to and the Giants just seem like they're they're kind of sputtering out of control now here's the thing going into the season I don't think there was the confidence behind the Giants that they were going to go and do something I think there was it's still a rebuilding mode you're building around Daniel Jones who looks like he's very talented and Saquon who I hope he comes back from that knee injury because he's fun to watch and he's a Penn State guy and I'm a Penn State fan uh, but there wasn't that expectation the hope was you know you get to six and ten you, you get you get a step in the right direction the Eagles and the Cowboys are frustrating because watching them it just seems like they're like one or two mistakes every game from being in the game. But then you, you kind of take, you take a step back and you realize both of these teams are just dumpster fires right now. And they're not fun to watch dumpster fires like the Jets. They're just really frustrating to watch. Well, so the best thing about the Giants right now is the defensive side of the ball. Yes. I think you can say, oddly enough, for the Eagles, you're going to have to rely on this defense, obviously, a little bit more than you would hope to. Because of the circumstances, obviously, Danny turns the ball over a little bit. I think that's a big focal point if you're Fletcher Cox and company. I don't even know if Cox is still playing, like, in terms of health. I, I just assume everyone on he's, the Eagles he's, is there. He's going to play. The defense is actually surprisingly Lee healthy. Jackson, I mean, that, that, offense, that the offensive line of the Giants, they're not going to have an easy go around. The Eagles front always loves to feast on the Giants. I think this is going to be a very 
defensive heavy game, which is a point I wanted to get to. But in terms of what you said of quality of football, whenever you're rooting for the defense of being the exciting part of the game, <laughs> we've seen a lot of these at Roan before, Benny. We know the end result. We've seen some, we've seen seven, six, we've seen 13 to 10 very often. It's not going to be pretty. You saw the Broncos Pats game. They won all field goals. I mean, it is, at, that is the reality of the situation with these two teams. I think it's going to be field position, special teams, very old school like football because they have to do it. I don't think either of these offense are, offenses are in a situation. I'm sure they're going to want to take chances and do things, but I think the defenses are good enough to stop whatever either side is going to throw at them. I'm so, If Travis Fulgham beats this deep, I mean, James Bradbury has been playing some of the best corner mm-hmm in the league right now, but you got a guy in Darius Slay who's starting to really turn the corner this season and starting to step up because I think they know they need to. So this is no cakewalk in terms of a defense. I think both these teams are capable of changing the game on the defensive side of the ball this Thursday. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment. I think we're going to have a very low scoring game. God, the, the 13, the 13, nothing games that Rowan were, were always stuff. And the frustrating <laughs> thing about it, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have some nostalgia here and some, and some uh, going back and down memory lane. Uh, the fun thing about Rowan football was it was college and you know, at least we had the running backs and it was just old school style football. And that's what they were. I mean, it wasn't that it wasn't that they suffered from injuries. It was just, that was the offense. Mm-hmm. These off- these offenses aren't supposed to operate this way. They're supposed to be spread offenses. The Giants have, uh, going to the season, they had Golden Tate, you had, had Shepard, you had uh, Slayton, you had all these great wide receivers, and, 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 and you had Saquon Barkley, obviously, and you had uh, the tight end, Ingram, who I, I absolutely love. I was hoping that he would, he would go off on fantasy, and that hasn't panned out. And the Eagles are the same way. We're going to go off in fantasy. So <laughs> I'll save my comments about Evan Ingram for another time. People just know I'm not – I'm not the biggest fan anymore. I'm done. I'm just done with it, Benny. We can move on. You know what? You're in need of tight ends too. Both your tight yes. ends are out as well. I was, I was in need we're, of- we're down. We're down to uh, Ricardo Richard Rogers. I called him Ricardo. Oh, Richard Rogers. That's the I one I saw know. him out there. All I know former is Packer. A former Packer. That's all I know. He was a Packer. I thought his name was Ricardo Rogers. I'm sitting there watching. Like, who's this? Who's this Ricardo Rogers guy? It's Richard Rogers and Jason Kroom. I, he caught the Hail Mary. He caught the Hail Mary. I remember now. He against Detroit on Thursday night. He caught the uh, Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary for the Packers. Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers. Okay. And right. It just right. rolls off the tongue. You don't forget it. And I remember I watched it then the same way I look at it now. Who for the Hail Mary? Just just his height. You know, he he won the ball for just being the size of a tight end. But he's he's been a he's been a nice little third string tight end. But the key word is third string tight end. You're not you're not game planning against him. But uh, Jason Kroon, I still I still replay that that play over and over in my head because Carson like almost starts the play and looks over and I'm like, oh yeah, he was he was in the huddle. All right, I'll throw it to him. It's just like who is the who are these guys? But. Um, yeah, this is going to be ugly football. I, I'm really not looking forward to Thursday night. I, I am going to wake up on Thursday and say I'm ready to hurt again and um, watch that game. And I, I, we can predict sc- uh, scores later, but um, I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. I think we're, we're going to see a very low scoring defensive struggle. Uh, it, it's it's going to be ugly football. I, the team that makes the least amount of turnovers and least amount of mistakes likely will be in the game. If that, I could see both of these teams having five or six turnovers and still being a field goal deciding game. It, it, this, it's not fun to watch. Like this is not fun football to watch. This is this is torture and torment for our Super Bowl and your guys' two Super Bowls. This is the this is the price we pay. That now I understand what my parents were going through. 
Now I get it. Now I, all those years, my uncle saying one day you'll, you'll have your, your, uh, <laughs> your moment. One day you'll have your, your Ray Rhodes stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know who that, I've never heard. I don't know what you guys are going through. I'm learning it now. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. learning about it right now. This is brutal. Well, it's every week. It really is. I'm ready to get hurt again, but you're never actually ready. You just, you'd like to think, you know, the whole mantra of any given Sunday, anything can happen, but the team isn't going to change. Anything can happen. You're not going to be happy either way. It happens. You you still have the team that you have. And that's the you're, hardest You're a part. hopeless romantic. You, you wake up every morning hoping that the relationship is going to improve. And every single day it does something to rip your heart out. Like after the game on, on Sunday, I was thinking, okay, you know, 30 to 20 to 28, the Ravens probably didn't take us very seriously in the fourth quarter and, and gamblers are frustrated about that. But um, I was thinking, okay, coming out of this, all right, Miles Sanders is going to be there. Ertz might be able to come, you know, get, get a little healthy. We're going to have some guys come back. And then Monday it comes out the injury report. Sanders out for two weeks, Ertz out for three. Oh, but we might have Alshon back. That's great. That's fantastic. I hate this team. Uh, that's the yeah. other thing about the Eagles that blows me away is that Howie Roseman, our general manager, just seems to get a pass. Like it, no one's, no one's really, no one in the media is making a big stink about this. But Howie Roseman gave a guaranteed contract to Alshon. Granted, he won the Super Bowl and and it was he was the big receiver, but he hasn't he has barely played since then. I, I think he's barely played ten games since then. Deshaun Jackson bringing him back. At first, I was really excited about it because nostalgia Eagles. He's going to be the deep threat for Wentz. And he's played less than five games. As a matter of fact, he might have more games than catches at this point. And, and like, he sunk all this money. There is $60 million sitting on our injury reserve right now. We are screwed in cap next year. We have drafted terribly. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's first touchdown of his oh career God. happened on Sunday, and it was a fumble recovery. You know, we, 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 passed, we passed up D.K. Metcalf, who has 11 touchdown catches, for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who has 11 catches. Not even touchdown catch, just catches in general. It's been it's been embarrassing. The the Rager pick and and, and Justin Jefferson, uh, it's just one thing after the other. And then that leads us to the next topic we might get to: Jalen Hurts in the second round. Uh, looking at the roster right now, we could have used an offensive lineman. We could have used another receiver. We could have used a linebacker, and we got none of those. We have a quarterback who we bring in for four plays every game. Yeah, and you know, my thing is, and it's not gimmicky, at least this week, it wasn't a gimmicky thing. Like, they're not bringing him in to do the wildcat bells and whistles. They're doing what he does. They can run an RPO offense through him. He completed a pass this week. I think he adds a different healthy element to your teams in terms of running the ball. Obviously, Wentz, to me, I feel like clearly doesn't trust his legs as much as he used to, and for obvious reasons. I mean, I get it. But the issue is when you draft someone – in the second round and you don't want the controversy and you don't want all this. And then you bring him in and everyone's like, look at the shiny new piece. What? And this, and this is the issue the Eagles are going to come across now because with everyone hurt, if Howie gets on hotter and a hotter and a hotter seat, they're not going to have a choice because you don't take the load off him in any way with anything you have. I mean, and then to Alshon real quick, you see this all year this year, people, as soon as they're eligible to clear from injury, they come right in. Get him on the team. We need him. We're in injury troubles. And what happens? They get hurt almost the same game. It's happened already more than a handful of times with big-time guys. Why wouldn't it happen to Alshon Jeffrey, who's more brittle than anybody? And so it's just crazy. And and not only just the Eagles, but this season in general, the injuries teams are undergoing, it's nuts. It's crazy. 
so my, my girlfriend, uh, she is a, uh, she, she's in the medical field. She's an athletic trainer and she had a couple of theories. She's a football fan, Packers fan. And, and I don't know how we make it work. Uh, any, anything's better than dating a Cowboys fan. I will say that I've, I've yeah. never had, never had to go down that road. Uh, but she, she's, you know, had some thoughts about it. And she said, uh, number one, it definitely seems to me like these teams are training improperly. They're weight training in the season. And a lot of these players just don't physically. And that, that, that blends me to another theory that I'll get to in a second, but weight training definitely seems to be contributing to soft tissue injuries. And the other thing is, we didn't have an off season. So I will, I will condemn the NFL in this aspect. They did not make a bubble and that's hurting them right now because with no bubble, they didn't have any off season. These players were coming in pretty raw and going right into full action. And you're seeing it there. There's so many teams that have eight, nine, 10 plus guys on the IR. That's a fifth of your roster right there. About, about a sixth or a fifth of your roster right there that's sitting on IR. And I know every team suffers injuries and every year you have injuries, but, 13, 14, 15 players, that's a reflection of your medical staff. One theory I've had for a very long time is, and you're an athlete, and I, I tried to be an athlete, but I'm very unathletic, but um, watching, watching these athletes train, they are, they are so physically fit, and so there's so many things they can do right now. There's weight training, there's different uh, calisthenics and different uh, types of, of, of non-weight uh, training that you can do right now. I think today's athlete is overtrained. I think we are starting to see the limits that our bodies can, can perform at. And as much as we want to say we can evolve into this, your ligaments take time to evolve. Your, your muscles and joints take time to adjust to that type of stress. So we're seeing a lot of overworked athletes that are breaking down faster and faster and faster. One great example is Saquon Barkley and his knee. Saquon's an amazingly, he's an amazing physical specimen. He trains like an absolute beast. He trains like, an, like, a, like a professional weightlifter. And his knees give out, and he's only about 23, 24 years old. That's a reflection of these athletes training too much. I think it's on the medical staffs of these teams, especially the Eagles, to let these players know, hey, in season, there's going to be no weight training. You're going to do a lot more running or do a lot more non-weight exercises because you're seeing it every single year, and it's the same injuries every single year. It's maddening to me that no one sits there and sits down and thinks, hey, Maybe I should worry about this player getting in the game, not being in the best shape for an Instagram photo. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I, I mean, for me, it's as easy as a hamstring injury, too. I've been dealing with Julio all year. Every game, he has a hamstring injury. One game they rushed him back, he played one snap and hurt his hamstring again. Well, that's what's going to happen because you don't really let the – and that's the thing on the training staff, too. They don't necessarily let them go full go. No. A lot of the rehab to get there – is, you know, half speed, three-quarter speed, warming up in it. Most of the time, it's not live action. You're not going a 1,000. You're not going game speed. Everyone says it. It's different. There's 40 speed, game speed. Game speed is a completely other beast. And whether it's a hamstring or anything else, <clears throat> come game time, these injuries are starting to pile up. I mean, the Cowboys, again, obviously, Dak's ankle is an anomaly, whatever. It's a broken ankle. Oh, my ankle. God. It's crazy. But their O-line's in shambles just as much as the Eagles right now. That was a strong suit for them. People all across the board in the NFL are dropping. And I think a large part of it, and I talk about this with people who come on the show all the time, is that lack of offseason. It's not even that they went 100% when they came back in August. It's actually the opposite for me. They did nothing than where they would have been. Most of them, their bodies, other than the rookies, are used to playing four preseason games. They're going through COVID protocols. Zoom classes, even in person, they're, they're not near each other. They're barely touching each other because they're all worried about this. If you watch Hard Knocks at all, there's probably one good week 
of a hard, hard practice. I mean, of what a hard knocks practice would be and like two scrimmages. And most of them canceled it for social injustice, which was great. But the point is less games, less reps at a hundred percent. It adds up and their bodies. And, and I even make the preseason, the four weeks of preseason excuse for coaches, you know, well, you got to see like with Jason Garrett, it's slow. You got to see it after four weeks. With players, it's the same way. I mean, they are accustomed to warming themselves up through four games, and most of them only play a half in those games. And you're just going to have them go balls to the wall, meaningful games, right out of the gates. It's just – I felt like I knew it was going to happen, but to this extent, it's just alarming. It is crazy. It's crazy, and you see a lot of the best people, the entire 49ers defense. You got Sherman, Ford, D. Ford, Nick Bosa. I mean – we talk about Saquon, Cortland, Sutton, Dow. You can go, the list goes endless on and on of people who are getting hurt. And they're young stars in this game. They're guys you don't want to lose to have to deal with knee injuries at 23 years old. I think the argument or the argument everyone makes every preseason is, oh, we need less preseason games. Who needs the preseason? Let's just go straight into the way. I think we're learning right now you need some preseason games. You need three or four. I've never had an issue with the preseason. I've actually kind of enjoyed it. It gives families a chance to go to the games for 25 bucks instead of 225 bucks. Um, but even that aside, like it's necessary. You can't, you cannot have 300 pound men go from sitting on a couch for six months to playing hard nosed full action football. You can't do it. There's going to be a bunch of injuries and you know, not that again, I'm so blessed to have football back, but I would rather take, three extra weeks before football started or four extra weeks or a month, you know, month and a half, whatever we have to do to make sure these players were physically fit, engaged and put them in a bubble. Like why can't the NBA did it? Major league baseball was able to do it to some degree. Hockey did it. And there were barely any disruptions. Baseball had a couple of disruptions, but for the most part, there were no disruptions. You can't tell me you couldn't have picked four cities in the, in the U S clear out fans, no fans coming into the stands until we're able to get this thing figured out and play football games like that. This is, it's so ridiculous. The NFL did not bubble and it's being, it's reflective in the fact that we've already had to have move games all around. You're talking about 52 man, 55 man rosters. You're not going to get every player to follow protocol, but if you put them in a bubble, they will have to follow protocol. And if they're all together, you don't have to worry about testing. Everyone's tested. Everyone's clean. You can go and play football and get these players ready and have less injuries. Now, long-term for the NFL, this is going to hurt him. Saquon is a star, and now he's hurt. Dak is a star, and now he might have a career-altering – both of them have career-altering injuries. You're seeing you know, the Eagles have all these injuries. You're seeing some of these big market teams have all these injuries and not play well. The NFL is going to be impacted by this for a while. You're losing star players. Saquon had all the momentum in the world. I enjoyed the Hulu commercials. I enjoyed the yogurt commercials. I enjoyed all he was doing because he was becoming a star. To me, he was like Bo Jackson. And I don't know if he's going to be like that anymore. And the NFL has to, has, you know, to, 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 to respond to this because you are losing star players and that's going to turn people off. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. And look, could an injury happen like that either way? Sure. It happens all the time. You know and I mean? People tear ACLs. It's a very common injury in, in football in general. I get it. You know, a non-contact injury. Devin Bush did it for the Steelers. He's another guy. He tore his ACL, young middle linebacker. It's just, for us, I think what we're getting at, it's not that, you know, these injuries are all because it's this year. It's just that with the amount that is coming out, with the amount of people, there are going to be certain casualties. And when you look back, you're like, damn, that's a shame that guy had to go through that then. I mean, look, not everyone's Adrian Peterson is the point. Not a lot bad. of the time, the majority of the time, it, it impacts them. 
long term. It impacts them long term. So let's let's go back to the game real quick then. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Thursday. A lot of people are saying that, well, do you want to be, and us included kind of in the beginning of this, do you want to be the team to represent the NFC East and just get slacked in the playoffs? Now, from a team like the Eagles, that you're not in a position to exactly confidently say you could even be that team anymore, but you were supposed to. It's supposed to be you and the Cowboys again. I mean, you still obviously want to win the East. You want to win the games that you have at this point, right? I mean, that's that's why you do it. I think this whole thing, and I guess because the Giants aren't in a position like coming into the season to say, well, we had a shot, we can make a run. For me, it's like, we got one win. The Eagles have one win. Now's the time to start trying to win games. Like, and I think not a lot of people are looking at it that way. And maybe it's because of this season, but I'm just curious on where your head's at as an Eagles fan. Are you, are you looking to win? Do you see the Cowboys sucking and stinking up the place as an opportunity that, Hey, like, listen, we have no one, but let's still go out and try to do something. Someone's got to win this thing. Right. This season has made me develop split personality disorder. There is the Benny that wants the Eagles to win and the Benny that sits there and says, Hey, you know, getting to the playoffs, you want to just get to the dance kids. And there's the pragmatic Benny that sits here and goes, this team is literally not built to do anything in the playoffs. And so it's the constant, you know, it's, it's the, it's that age old question. Would you rather get to the dance and have your chance or would you rather, you know, have a better draft pick and be able to rebuild your roster into something that is more sustainable. I fall more into the give, just give me a chance. Uh, football is one of those sports where anything can happen. It's not like basketball or baseball or, or, or even hockey for that matter, where actually hockey is really not one of those sports, really basketball and baseball, where if your team's not built for the playoffs, your team's not built like that, you're likely not going to have a run. Football, anything can happen. We saw it with the Giants before. We've seen it plenty of times in the Super Eagles. Eagles, Eagles, no one thought they were going to be able to do anything. That's what built that in the both of us. The fact that the NFC East, as bad as it is right now, it used to be just as remotely competitive in a sense where everyone would beat each other and whoever Mm -hmm. finishes nine and seven or whatever it may be and wins the division still has a shot barely above 500, but you still have a shot because you've had to go through the gauntlet of the NFCs. Now it's not so much of a gauntlet, but still, nonetheless, we still got to go through each other. I talk about this all the time. Now the Giants play the Eagles two times in the next three games. They play the Redskins as well, or in the next four games and they got the Bucks somewhere along the way. But the point is those division games, regardless of how bad your division is, are games you have to win. I feel like five. I feel like five years ago, the 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 phrase or the the, the description of the NFC East was it's the toughest division in football, mm-hmm. and now it, it like it's become it's just a dumpster fire. I, I think mm-hmm. I honestly think there are some college conferences that are more competitive than, than the NFC East. But uh, so my my frustration with the Eagles is so even if we even if we do win, and I'm not will, I'm not even willing to say the Eagles are win or lose right now on Thursday. That's how that's where I'm at right now. But even if they did win. And they get to two and four and one, and, and you get that that game and a half lead or whatever on, on the Cowboys, and, and and you get that you get that edge on them if the Cowboys lose. I, I still look at this roster, and I'm still very much unimpressed by it. And you know, at some point, like that's the most frustrating thing about watching these teams is that every single game there is a play or two or three or four where you play it back in your head, and you're like, what were we doing for the for the Ravens game? The missed field goal at halftime. Going forward on fourth down in the red zone when you had a chance to kick a field goal. Right there, that's six points. That's the difference in the game. Seven points if you go and you kick the field goal at the end instead of going for two, which we failed at. Uh, And then the turnovers, the Carson Wentz fumble. Like There are so many instances over these past couple of weeks. Even the Steelers game, you have them. What what the hell is Nathan Jerry doing 
not covering Chase Claypool. And, what a terrible two-point conversion play, by the way. I oh, mean, my God. That was over before it even started. So, no it, one eventful. It was so uneventful. You want, you want to hear something that literally I, – I, I, very rarely do I listen to, to, to Doug Peterson press conferences and get so, like, angry at his answers <laughs> that I, I, it changes my, my, my mood for the rest of the day. But it happened on Monday. He said that he ran out of plays. No, was his, that's what he said. He, he said that he ran out of two point conversion plays. That was his excuse for why they, they ran that like handoff. Wait, no, I want the ball. I'm just going to fall down. Yeah, it play. looked like they were trying to do like the RPO that they, they like to run, but it looked mm-hmm. bad. I couldn't even tell you it. It just looked bad. It was over. It was, it was so, over at the mesh. So it, even, even the idea of doing an RPO, even the idea of doing a run play at that point, you just ran the ball into the end zone. What do you do? Don't do that. Do a play if you want to do play action, great. But what what are you doing? Like trips to the line, bunch them up. The Ravens for having problems getting to the outside to cover anyway. Do a flat route to Kroom again, and and, and the Ravens will forget about him again. Like if that, Kroom scored a touchdown to begin with, there's something up with the Ravens secondary. You yeah, need they to take they, advantage of. The, I'll tell you what happened. The Ravens in the second half looked at the Eagles and said, "This is a completely weak, mentally broken team." They're a dumpster fire. Every, every time they, take, they make a snap, there's a 90% chance a player is going to get hurt. A starter is going to get hurt. Like they, they, they couldn't take them seriously. At one point, the Eagles were – literally, there was a play where Carson went back to pass and all the linemen were turning around and facing him and all the, all, all the defensive linemen were coming right at him. Like they, they, had no, they had no business being in that game, the Eagles did. But they, they had a chance. But, like, every single game has been that way. The, the, the Washington game has been that way. I still – you know <laughs> – have the, have the the tendency to call them the Redskins. The next game after that, the the Rams game, they were they were still in it for a little while. Like they have had so many games where they've been right there, and they can't do it. And that's why, to me, even if the Eagles make the playoffs, even if they put a run together, even if they finish with the above five hundred record, which is highly unlikely at this point, I still have absolutely no confidence in them in the playoffs. And that's just because this team isn't built right. It all starts at the top. I think Howie Roseman. I've been on the fire Howie Roseman train pretty much since the year after they won the Super Bowl because he started to make some weird moves and draft weird. I have no confidence in this team. I am a broken – I'm getting close to being a broken fan, and I think Thursday is going to break me. As soon as they took Rieger over Justin Jefferson, I said it, and I think I, I'm recording somewhere. I, I was doing a draft live feed, and I said, this is going to follow them. Like, this is one of those – picks like the Trey Young Doncic thing I don't think it'll be to that scale it's just a pick that follows you even the DK thing the Ortega Whiteside it follows you for a little bit yep. because once you see the success and DK's success is extraordinary extraordinarily different and sure a lot of teams could do the whole DK thing so it's not just the Eagles but still the point is it follows you and, and you know to your point yep. I, I think Giants and well look from a Giants perspective <laughs> the only saving grace to Gettleman right now is his draft picks. So that, that shows you how important drafts are. If it wasn't for his good drafts, people would be fed up by now, but he's actually pumping out quality content. The guy knows how to draft. So, so if how he's not getting it done in terms of draft, and then is also making terrible financial crippling decisions to your cap, then you have to do it before it's too late. That's what sets back an organization for years and years to come. Yeah, no, 2021 in terms of cap is, is the year that we've been kicking down the road. Howie, the one skill that Howie does have is that he is very good at manipulating cap and contracts and getting that done. However, 2021 looks like it's going to be his reckoning. It looks like that's going to be the, uh, 
the, the moment of, of truth for him where everything's going to come back on him. Drafting has never been his, his mentality. And to your point, most teams can survive maybe one of those, oh, my God, I should have drafted that guy thing. Maybe one of those young Doncic-type picks. The Eagles have had seven. Like, over the past four years, they've had seven of those instances where they should have drafted someone and they drafted someone else. So they should have made one move and they did it someone else. And really, even in this draft, they had a chance to go up and get CeeDee Lamb, who I, I love. I was about to say, as you were saying that, I'm like, couldn't they have got CeeDee Lamb? We could have traded up to get CeeDee Lamb, and we didn't. We, 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 we stayed put. We could have drafted Justin Jefferson, a guy that I wanted. I'm sitting here thinking, my logic is so basic <laughs> with Justin Jefferson. It was, oh, there's the guy that, that helped Joe Burrow get a Heisman Trophy. Let's get that guy on my roster. And they drafted a wide receiver who has drop issues from TCU. Now, granted, Rager played well for the little bit that he did play, so I'm not willing to write him off yet. I'm more willing to write off J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, which was a disaster. I don't know why they did that. Even though in the moment, I've been very open about this, I, was very, I wasn't very high on DK. I looked at him and I said, unproductive at Ole Miss – uh, athletic freak. He's a combine guy and the, the body and everything, the weightlifting. He, to me, seems like a, a guy who's all hype and bust. Well, he's proven me wrong. However, I definitely did not want them to take JJ. I would have rather them taken, you could have drafted me over JJ and I would have been, I would have been more happy with that pick. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last one that I'll get to, the one that really sets me over the edge is the Jalen Hurts pick. Uh, that one, um, when that pick happened, that song, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, what? Oh my God! I'm I'm literally darkness, my old friend. Oh, darkness, my old friend. That one, that one played right back in my head. I was just like, Oh my Lord! They literally did it. I never thought they would do this. And the most frustrating thing is Jalen was going to be a third or a fourth round. Let's be honest. Yeah. There was no no team was going to take Jalen Hurts. Only the, the Steelers round. were rumored to have taken him that early. That was the thought. They they were like, All right, the Steelers could take him in the second, but if not, third, fourth is a ceiling just because they wanted. Listen, I think Hurts. That's the issue with it. I think Hurts can be good. I think in the sparing time you've seen him play, he can be good. And that's why I think eventually he's just going to make his seat hotter and hotter because if you keep trotting or Hurts out there, he completed a pass. It's only a matter of time until he scores a touchdown or does something. Look look how quick. The Dolphins are 3-3, three and three, second in the East, in the AFC East. Fitz, Fitzpatrick, Fitz has played well. Fitzpatrick and they're still going to well. start Tua because that's the way the NFL works. It's the next. It's always the next guy up. And if the team's in shambles and it's not the coach and it's not the owner, it's not. If no one's getting the point, then it goes to the quarterback. It's unfortunate. We deal with it every loss. Danny's to blame. Danny's to blame. And you got to come out and say it's not him. Listen, people don't realize that Wentz's knee injury happened still relatively soon he's not just going to be a thousand percent off the rip of people who think you're in the nfl you got to be a bionic man you got to be unstoppable you got to be at the mvp caliber that you were at or if not we're not we're getting shafted in the raw end of the deal now in terms of are you getting your money's worth i think you know you're not but my thing is it's not all wins and he's had some really shitty moments but it isn't it's just it's going to get ugly when it isn't all wins and there needs to be someone to blame and it trickles down to that point. Uh, I, I, so my thoughts on Wentz is I think Wentz is fine. I think he's, he's fringe top 10, like the ninth, maybe the 10th best quarterback in the NFL when, when he is playing. Mm-hmm. Problem with Wentz has been uh, mostly uh, he, he is uh, to me, I look at Wentz, I see Brett Favre. I see a lesser version of Brett Favre. I see the same mistakes Brett Favre makes the forcing the ball down the field, the not throwing it away, the not, 
taking a sack or not throwing the ball away when you probably should the scrambling and, and, you know, unfortunate fumbles when, when you should be going down, his heart is his greatest weapon. It's also his greatest weakness. And that's, that's really my, my issue with Wentz. I think Wentz would play a lot better if his team around him wasn't crumbling constantly. That's really been the biggest issue with Wentz has been that the roster just isn't there. We've saw it before when, when Wentz has consistency around him, he can get to 30 touchdown passes. And really his interception numbers don't go that high when he has consistency around him. But it's when he's looking over the, the right and he's looking at the left and he's seeing yard chairs and, and deck ornaments over here that he has to work with. And he's thinking, I have to make a play. And he forces the ball and throws an interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I, so the Jalen Hurts pick blew me away because the reasoning behind it, the whole concept as to why they did it was – we want to be a quarterback factory. That's what Howie came out and said. Um, I, I, would, I like that, and I appreciate that. But in order to be a quarterback factory, you have to win games. And I would rather be a winning factory than a quarterback factory. Even, like, even just breaking down the logic of doing that. Like, okay, you're going to be a quarterback factory. So you're going to produce quarterbacks that will play for other teams. What kind of logic is that? Take Jason, you know, J- Jacob Beeson in like the fifth round if you want to be a quarterback factory. You don't take a guy in the if, second if, round when you have a 1,000 other needs. If you want to, like, quarterback factories are for college football teams. University of Tennessee can be a, a quarterback factory. Miami can be a quarterback factory. Not the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the NFL. This is not college. You don't do that. It made no sense to me. Even if the long view is develop Jalen Hurts and trade him for, for a draft pick later, you've hedged, you've hedged your bets here. You needed something now, and you decided to sell it for the future. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. You were in win. You, you can't say you're in win-now mode and turn around and do something like that. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, Jalen Hurts replacing Carson Wentz, probably not going to happen anytime soon unless Carson completely goes off the rails over the next couple of weeks. I don't think you see a benching in it anytime He's soon. really at a career high in interceptions already, though, if I'm not hey, mistaken, from what I saw. He, he is. He is. And I think, I think that's more reflective of, number one, uh, he, his offensive line is completely non-existent. And you're playing the Washington football team. You're playing the Rams. And you're playing a couple of very good pass, pass rushing fronts. Um, he's going to throw picks like that. Uh, but, but, again, when, when Carson plays with consistency, you don't see those interceptions. Or when you do, they're not as, they're not as egregious as what you've seen. The, the one forced throw to, to Deshaun Jackson, which a lot of Eagles fans are trying to make this, this assumption or this, this theory that – uh, the star receivers don't mesh with Carson. I don't think that's the case because he had Alshon before and never had this problem. I think the issue is when he doesn't have consistency around him, and that's for pretty much any quarterback, could be Carson Wentz, could be Peyton Manning. When you don't have talent around you or consistency around you, you don't play as well. You yeah. know? And, and, and some quarterbacks can, can figure it out. Tom Brady's been able to figure it out, but it not that's not the normal. And I think we have to stop comparing every quarterback to Tom Brady. I know it's very easy to do that. That's just what it is for me. I, I don't think you'll see Jalen Hurts anytime soon. I think the, the, the plan is to develop Jalen Hurts and see what happens. Uh, and that just, to me, even it makes it even more egregious that you picked him with a second-round pick. We could have used an offensive lineman. We could use another receiver. We could use a linebacker that we don't have because our linebackers are garbage. And, uh, you know, credit, credit to the Giants. They've been able to draft really well. Uh, one, of the, one of the picks that I've, I've been absolutely jealous about is uh, the guard, I think, Hernandez, who I, I, I absolutely love. I adore Hernandez. Um, and, I, I don't, I, again, I don't follow the Giants that much. I, I know that, you know, Saquon's played very well, and you guys have some great depth along the offensive, time, uh, offensive side, and your defense has been very good. But Hernandez has been a guy that I wanted very badly, and we didn't go and get him. So it, uh, 
it's just it's frustrating to me as an Eagles fan right now where we're at. Will Hernandez is a completely different topic. It depends how you look at it. The Giants offensive line is just slowly being pieced back together. So as that happens, there's going to be love-hate moments with each member of the offensive line. But I guess I can't be too picky because at least I have my starting offensive line in one piece. Benny, to your point, though, as you were talking, I think of the Packers because that's Mm -hmm. similar what they did this year, but they came out and said, you know, Jordan Love is going to be the future. The thing is, yes, they were still a good football team, but that's because they had Aaron Rodgers. I still think their downfall, and you saw it last year when they made it the NFC Championship game and just got absolutely slaughtered. I don't think much can change from that. And I think in the long run, that's how they're going to bite themselves in the ass too because you don't necessarily – a guy, A.J. Dillon. You're going to draft A.J. Dillon, phenomenal college talent, talent, great. But you still have Jamal Williams, who's your set in stone number two RB. And Aaron Jones is a freak at RB. So what are you doing with your first two-round picks where you have to find the most ready-set guys? And, and that's, the, that's what hurts about watching Justin Jefferson. Those are ready-set guys that clearly doesn't matter if they're 21-22. You put those guys on an NFL field, they're going to be an impact. They're going to factor in. And those are the draft picks you got to hit on. And that's why, see, as much – and this is where we kind of started this – as much as I love picking in the top 10 and boy, do the giants love to pick in the top 10. Let me tell you, it's not always a guarantee. And a lot of the time you find great value in the middle rounds and you find them later on being a good team and still having your first round pick doesn't necessarily cripple. You still get a first round pick. So as long as you manage your team properly, it doesn't really matter exactly where you finish in my eyes anymore or how many picks you have. Because my whole thing is the giants had three first round picks at one point in time. We now have two left on the team. The Browns went years and years trying to do that strategy, and it didn't exactly pan out. So it's not as simple. Figuring out the draft is not as simple as just getting picks and just taking best guys available, which is normally what I like to do. It's really understanding where your team's at and being real with yourself, looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I love Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I think being a quarterback factory is a great idea. It'll sell the press, but I should not do this trade because when so-and-so might go down or so-and-so might, might go down or this guy finally doesn't sign his deal in two years, I need a guy to fill in there. you got to start planning ahead before the oh shit start to happen. And this year there has been more oh shits than any season ever. Yeah, no, it's, it's the classic debate on do you draft the best player available or do you draft for need? And the Eagles have always kind of taken that best player available mentality. The problem with that is you don't, fill in the needs that you, you have. Uh, they, they've neglected the linebacker position. They've neglected uh, the, the offensive line position for, for quite some time. Now they haven't really invested that much into it aside from, you know, uh, Brandon Brooks and signing him. And he hasn't played uh, this year and he probably likely won't play this year unless he pulls off a miracle again. Uh, the, the Eagles drafting has been very frustrating. Um, I, I, I always like the approach of know what you need and prioritize it. And, while the like the Eagles seem to, f- to, f- to flux between that, they seem to like prioritize receiver and then draft a quarterback in the second round. Mm-hmm. The difference between the Eagles and the Packers is the Packers have talent. Like the Packers actually have a talented football team that can recover from drafting a quarterback in the first round. Which, as insane as it's going to sound, I thought not the worst move in the world for the Packers. As a matter of fact, I actually like that was a situation where I'm like, I can see that. Aaron Rodgers, he's getting up there in age. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense when your quarterback's 27 years old. <laughs> and your you quarterback's, just him. You just and you just, handed him, you, you just handed him the, uh, the 10th richest contract in the NFL. It doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. for that. But if your quarterback's 37 years old, it makes a little more sense there. You probably have him for another year or two. So 
that's that's the issue for me. Like the, the, the Packers have Devontae Adams. I couldn't tell you the Eagles starting receiver is right now. The Packers have Aaron Jones. We have Miles Sanders who had a decent rookie showing. Like the Packers have some talent on, on across offense and defense, and we really don't. We've allowed that talent to leave, and we've we haven't taken care of it. So we we need help, and uh, that's why I'm not very confident with the Eagles right now. I'm very frustrated, but um, I'm I'm very pragmatic. I, I'm on the fire Howie train, and I'm I'm getting close to the fire Doug train. I don't think Doug Peterson's that good of a coach. I was gonna bring it up, but I knew that would get us in such a rabbit hole, and we don't have enough time to just shit talk on Doug Peterson the way I know we probably he would. sucks. There you go. That's he's a terrible play caller. One compliment I'll give to the Eagles: I was always envious of your offensive line at full uh, full strength. I love Lane Johnson. You have Brandon Brooks, obviously. And you want to know something? This is a little bit of karma for you because I was always a big fan of Jason Peters, and I felt like the Eagles really mishandled that Jason Peters situation. Again, I see this from an outsider perspective, but they fumbled the ball on that, and then they moved him to guard, and then they got to move him to tackle. Then he gets hurt, and it's just like this was just shitty from the start, and it's oh so unfortunate God. that it happened the way it did. That was the one thing I wanted to touch on. It's a shame – that Jason Peters kind of had that falling out the way he did. And you'd only assume that next year he probably – he's not going to be there. I mean, you'd have to think with the way it went this year, he's not going to be there. Either either he retires or he's not playing football. That That's it. Like, for me, like he – who, who, who. Just keep him a guard. Like, let him be your guard. Let Figure out what you're going to do with tackle. Let him be your guard. Because he was playing – apparently he's playing it very well in practice. You move him to tackle. He can't compete with these young, fast defensive ends. He got embarrassed and – you know, for a guy who's going to be a future Hall of Famer and, and one probably one of the best left tackles to ever play the game, he is ending his career in such an embarrassing way. Yeah. It's sad. It really is sad. It's, yeah. it's, like watching, it's like watching some of the greats play their final. It's like watching Ken Griffey limp up the first baseline for Seattle in 2007. It just, you're just watching it and you're like, oh, my God, this is sad. Yeah, this isn't what I expected. Like, I, I just remember Peters as just this house, this, this brick wall on the left side that you know he used to go to battle against some of those Giants defensive lines too and it's just he would always have a leg up every now and then and then just seeing how it all kind of crumbled I was like shit it's just so unfortunate it kind of comes at you fast because again I'm just watching it from an outside perspective and it's just like they're like oh well we might not bring it back well now we're going to bring him back for guard because now Brooks is gone and then this person's gone so he's got to go to left guard not right guard oh, okay well now our left tackle's out so I got to move him to left tackle it's just like dude that's too much for him and like Plus, you kind of already told the guy he can't play the position anymore. Then you're going to send him back. It just too much. And, and pay him more money, too. One of the big things that he wanted was if he's going to move to the left tackle, because he's signed to be a guard. If he's going to move to the left tackle, he wants a pay increase. And oh, then we gave, we gave it to him. About that too. I, it wasn't that easy, though, I think, to pay him. They, they really wanted to make sure they were getting the money's worth, but they obviously didn't because he got hurt. So where are the proje- projections uh, part of this show? We don't have to go too far into mm. it. Um, and notice I said projections, not predictions, because the prediction is just going to be uh, like 14 to 11. So <laughs> here is what I'm looking for. Your projection on where the team is going to be. Do you think this short week Eagles team is going to be able to put it together enough to just show some life? to bring some life back into Benny sales. Do you, do you, do you see this team trending more up on Thursday or do you think these injuries are ultimately going to leave you projecting down on Thursday? I think, I think they're going to win. I hope they're going to win. 
Uh, do I feel like they're going to win? I have no clue right now. But even if they did win, I'll be honest with you, it's not, it's not going to make me feel any better. They're still mm-hmm. going to be 2-4-1. The tie is embarrassing. The losses they've had are embarrassing. Uh, that's where I'm at. Like, honestly, they, they, they might win this game. Great, awesome. I, I have a feeling they, they're kind of going to win this game. I don't, I don't know if that's going to change much. I still think they're going to probably finish the year with 10 losses. You're looking at the rest of their schedule and you're just going, how the hell are they going to do this? Like, I, that's my thing is like, I look at, I, every day I look at their schedule because it pops up on my phone and I'm like, how the hell are they going to do this? This re, like last year it was fine because you're playing the rest of the division and we know that the division likes to beat up on each other this year. A lot of those games aren't going to be in the division. You know, Dallas is probably going to win one or two outside of the division. The Giants might, might steal one outside of the division, and the, and the Washington football team is going to steal one or two out of the division. The Eagles haven't done that really at all. They beat the 49ers third-string backups. Woo. Like, I, we're, we're screwed. Like, that's that really – the tie, the, the tie to the Bengals, and the thing is, you barely tied. That's the. I think that's the worst part of the tie because I was watching it, and again from we a game bar- we barely tied, and then we had a chance to win, mm-hmm. and we fucked it up. Like I cannot believe <laughs> there was a false start penalty, yep. and then they're they're only about they're about sixty three out. And one thing about Elliot is when the further Elliot is away from the 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 field goal, apparently he just likes to kick long field goals. This is his thing. Like we closer, he's completely inaccurate, but the longer the better. So we had like a 64 yarder. I'm like, just try, like, just go for it. Run a play. If you don't get the fourth down, if you don't pick it up, or right, whatever. But just if go kick off 64 yard. Who cares? There's 10 seconds left. Do it. We didn't. We elected to punt. Yeah. It, that it says hurt. everything you need to know. Yeah. No. You know, I saw a lot of let's go for two, go for the win uh, analytic moves. I've also seen a lot of coaches overthink the oh we crossed the 50 should we go for it the giants do this thing where it's fourth and one and they just cross the 50 they're at about the 42 and they always go hard count and they never never snap the ball and they waste a timeout and every time i just mumble to myself snap it you fucking bitch snap <laughs> just do it like they watch tape they know you're gonna do this every time just fucking snap it and they never do it they never do it. it. Drives me insane. It's like, and then they punt the ball, or they'll take the delay a game and they move back five and then punt the ball because then it's like, oh well, we're past the fifty now. We have to. It's mind numbing sometimes that they overthink it. It's like, at the end of the day, win the game, lose the game. There are certain decisions you just got to look outside all the analytics and the cookie cutter stuff and be like, okay, let me take a shot here. If not, I actually might tie. And honestly, now that I think about it, the Eagles and Giants might tie and just make everything right in the division. We have a two-tie team. We have another tie. And it would just be great. It would be great for all the standings and all the projections. One final thing uh, before, before we wrap up. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm assuming, obviously, you want to you get back to the rest of the podcast. But I did, I did mathematically work it out. If there was ever a year in the NFL where every single team tied, and there was no wins, there was no losses, it was just 16 ties for every team. Uh, the way they would decide who gets into the playoffs would be based off of points scored. Hmm. Yep, so you better better hope those are high-scoring ties. The Giants are not making it. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing, Benny. When we were talking about low-scoring games, I did want to bring up one more thing. At Rowan, one time me and Benny covered a game. It was 3-3 until near the end of the fourth quarter. Oh, quarter-year. Jesus Christ. And, yeah. um Russ, Russ Fortune, took a 95-yard wide receiver screen on second down to the crib. 
10-3 was the final. That was the only play, maybe the only play of positive yards in the entire game. It took all four quarters, about three minutes left in the game. It was 3-3, and that was the sealer. It, it, it's a good thing we didn't fall asleep at the mic. We would have missed it. It was a good one. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite moments was, we, I forget what team we were playing, but they ran – I think it might have been Morrisville or Morristown or one of those schools. They were the Mustangs. Yeah. And yeah. they ran they ran a, they ran the screen and the ride the wide receiver like I guess olayed the ball and it hit the ground and you you caught it on the mic. You were like, that's a fumble. And then the guy they picked it up and ran it in. And you were like, that's a that's a fumble. And the, the wide receiver was just looking around like, wait, that's an incomplete pass, right? You but you caught it. I, I was sitting there thinking, like, that was an incomplete pass, but you picked Play it. Play to the whistle, baby. Hey, yep. if you don't hear that whistle blow, that is not an incomplete pass, especially so what he's basically saying is the quarterback threw the ball behind also the line of scrimmage, yeah. the backwards pass. If a quarterback threw that forward towards him and hit the ground, being complete, but he threw it behind him even more. Yeah, so. it, was, it was a weird play. It was like it was um, – there was no one else. I remember there was no one else out there with the receiver. It was like a random bubble. Like they just ran yeah. like a bubble, but they had no one pulling or no one out there to, to, to protect. And that would make and, sense why the pass went on out there. Yeah, it was, it was so weird. Out. It was such a weird play, but I, I thought it was an incomplete. And I remember calling it an incomplete, but you picked it up that it was a, it was a, uh, backwards or was behind the back pass or behind the behind yep, the, yeah, it, it, yeah yeah it's a back it's a backwards pass and that's backwards pass play, that's a fumble especially if yeah they don't blow that yep. with i tell the yeah. receiver all the time fall on the ball at the end of the play no one wants to do it no one likes getting dirty anymore <laughs> many football has changed we talked about that before we got on but one thing that hasn't changed too much is you i am glad that you came on the show i'm glad i was able to have you on the show if the giants win i will have you back on for the next Eagles game, so this way I don't have to change too much. I keep the mojo in my favor. If the Eagles win, I will probably not speak to you. <laughs> this was this was a test. I'm trying to see if it works in my favor. But, uh, Benny, one more time, why don't you tell everyone where they could find you, where they could hear you, and just let them know what you have going on. What happens if we tie? What happens? <laughs> You're back. You'll be back. That's, oh, that's a win. A tie is a win for a one. As my friend says, a tie is not quite a win, but better than a loss. Uh, people can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. You can friend me on Facebook, too. It's at Benny on the Radio. And, of course, you can listen to me on 94.7 WDSD, WDSD.com, and on the iHeartRadio app as well. Benny, thank you so much, bro. Tino, it was a pleasure. That interview with Benny Pinella was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, a big shout-out for Benny coming on again to make it a fourth consecutive week with a Benny on the New York Football Podcast. Benny is great. Check him out wherever you can listen to WDSD Radio. Obviously, if you're not in the Delaware area, you can check it out on iHeartRadio. Big shout-out again to Benny. He is awesome. Hopefully, the Eagles do not win and the Giants pull out the W on Thursday. But again, you can follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Like, download, rate, and subscribe wherever podcast platforms are available. Believe in NY Football. Guys, thank you for listening in as always. Peace and love. Talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.